The next thing on the agenda is comments by the city manager. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor and members of city council. Good evening. I have one item under my community spotlight tonight, and that uh, is the opportunity to introduce Dr. Matthew Montgomery, the superintendent of schools for District 67 and 115. Many of you may know Matt's been on board for uh, almost two years now. Uh, and um, aside from uh, some of the topics he's going to discuss tonight, I just want to take the opportunity to note what a tremendous partner he's been with the city. I think he's doing a wonderful job at the schools uh, and, again, has, has been very open to collaborating with the city uh, on, on a myriad of different issues. And while our units of government operate independently, our successes are so closely intertwined that it's just been wonderful to have, have a partner like like him uh, in the role. And, and with that, I'm just going to turn it over to Dr. Montgomery, who's here to provide uh, an update on the <coughs> District 115 uh, facilities bond referendum. Thank you, Jason. And thank you for allowing me to have a few minutes with you today. Um, as I am a superintendent and tend to run my mouth too much, I'm going to start a timer just to keep <laughs> track of myself. Um, and I will try to use the best use of this time together and give you time at the end for questions. Uh, I just want to reiterate the partnership with Jason over these last two years has been paramount, as well, as well as George. And I can't tell you how much it means to me to have a community that partners and values schools as much as we value the city. And I think that that's a symbiotic relationship that I'm most grateful for as a Lake Forest resident, as well as the superintendent of both 67 and 115. Am I speaking loud? Do I need to get closer? Margaret? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I've never been told that I'm not loud enough, so <laughs> I want to tell my mother tonight, actually. I'm very excited. Uh, so very quickly, I'm going to go through a little bit about the school, why we need a referendum, uh, a summary of what it entails, talk about benefits, financial implications, and then I'll finish with your questions, and hopefully in 10 minutes or less. So last year, we were awarded for the first time in school history a National Blue Ribbon. We're exceptionally proud of that. I cannot take credit for it. It's my predecessor and their team. So Shayla Holland, as well as Mike Simic, and the teaching staff and students uh, deserve recognition for that award, but we're so excited that we can celebrate it. And as I turn to the next slide, you will see some key uh, factors or demographics about the school. So just to highlight a few of them, we are in the top 20 uh, districts or high school districts in the state. We are AAA bonded. We have over 90% of our students who are taking AP courses getting a three or greater. We have a graduation rate of 98% and so much more. And as a parent of an incoming freshman, if you look at the right, the bottom two right uh, squares. So there's 33 athletic ath opportunities. There's 68 extracurricular offerings. To be able to be a parent in a district that has these many opportunities for kids is incredible, and I couldn't be prouder to serve in this role, both as a dad and as a superintendent. When I talk about the referendum, uh, I am here to just share facts. So I am not here to tell you how to vote. It's not my business to do so, and it's well beyond the role that I serve in. So this is merely an educational opportunity for me to answer any questions you may have around the upcoming referendum. If I were to boil down the why into two key areas, the first one is to protect our historic entity. 
So there's an 88-year-old building that we want to remain open for many years in the future, and we need to protect that investment. The second component is that we need to finish what we started in 2006. So in 2006, there was a referendum that touched half of the classrooms within that building. This referendum allows us to finish that work for kids. And we are able to touch every classroom that was not impacted in 2006, as well as key infrastructure that will ensure that the building is open for another 20 plus years or more. How much are we asking for and for what? We bucket it into two different buckets. It could be labeled as a complete infrastructure referendum, but we separated it for clarity and said that 52% is for the infrastructure improvements that you, you might not see. So you're not going to see electrical panels if you're walking through the hallways. You're not going to see plumbing. You're not going to see the HVAC machines. But those are integral to keeping that building open. And 48% of the ask is on instructional space upgrades. I would argue those are classroom infrastructures. So how are we transforming the classrooms that were not touched in 2006 to meet the needs of our students? And it breaks down to um, $105.7 million for the whole project. This has been an iterative process well before my tenure, and I will tell you that the project numbers under my tenure moved from a $200 million ask to 160 to 140, and we boiled down to the 105.7 million. Know that this plan is not baked with frill or fluff. This is what we need right now to make sure the building is open, and I think that's important for you to know as council members that we did not build this plan anticipating that we would be taking multiple bites at the apple. This is the plan and this is what we need. Um, and we did not put other things that some people would say would be extra. So an example would be the RMA or the auditorium in that building. We did a study and we just received the report in the fall. It needs $20 million for that section of the building. I pulled that with the team from the project because I did not believe that that was an absolute need that, that we would want to go to the taxpayers for. Could we do a capital fundraising came on, campaign on that? Sure. But there, another example would be the, the natatorium or the pool. Those are areas that are not touched in this 105.7. We didn't bake them in anticipating that if it went down in, or does go down in April that I would come back to you at the next election cycle with a, a, a scaled back version. I think people would want to know that. Key benefits of the plan. Uh, so I bucket them into maintenance and infrastructure, safety and security, ADA accessibility, students support, support spaces, and labs, classroom, and technology. Know that if you have a student in Lake Bluff or in DPM, and I'm just going to look at the science labs alone, you essentially go back in time when you walk into the high school. So the classrooms and the supports that we are offering our middle school students in these communities are far greater than that of which we were able to support in the high school environment due to the age of the building. So this modernization is ensuring that those key skills that they're learning in those environments at DPM or Lake Bluff or area private schools continues to build as they move through LFHS for those four years through graduation. ADA is something I'm just going to highlight in that there's, while the building is in code, 
there are things that could greatly improve the experience for our students and our staff with accessibility needs. And I'm very proud that these elements will be improved upon with this referendum. Safety and security is a hot topic right now. So when you look at uh, the fire protection system or rapid lockdown systems in terms of if we had an intruder, these are things uh, coupled with door sensors at exterior doors that would improve the level of safety and security that we're able to offer our students in an ever-changing world where, unfortunately, we have to run a great deal of deal or drills that maybe we didn't have to do 20 years ago because of the climate that we are living in. When I look at financial implications, we broke it down to $500,000 increments. We also put a million dollars. I'm getting mixed feedback on what I should have said and what I shouldn't say. Here's both ways. Um, and on the website, you'll be able to see if there's a QR card or code on the presentation deck. But it's approximately $40 per month per $500,000 of home value. I know at the, uh, the Chamber's uh, breakfast last week, the average sale price right now was quoted for $1.3 million. I know that's fluctuating. The market right now is atrophy in terms of availability, uh, which is good if you want to sell your house. Some of us are getting flyers in the mailboxes that say, please sell. We'll do it right now for you. Um, but know that on a million-dollar house, it's $79 per month or about $950 per year. Um, before I go to your questions, and I'm, I'm at eight minutes right now, I want to invite the community to a Let's Talk series specifically on the referendum that's going to be held this Wednesday at 7 p.m. at the high school. We started these Let's Talk series on hot topic issues because during the pandemic we were seeing this influx of emotions at the, uh, the podium of board meetings, and we wanted to create a, a, a release valve where we could have candid dialogues and answer questions about hot topic issues in the community. This is the next series. There was one last week. We did a Let's Talk on student supports. This one's specifically on the referendum. They'll be building tours that are ahead of this presentation if the community would like to um, visit or get questions asked. At this time, I will pause my rambling at nine minutes and five seconds <laughs> and entertain any questions you may have. This doesn't go against my time, just so you know. I stopped at nine <laughs> minutes. George, nine minutes and five seconds. Well done. Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Appreciate your service to the community and, um, and your leadership on this. I just had a, I had three questions for you. Uh, so we know our finances of the city operations pretty well, but I have to say I do not even know the operating budget for our schools and our capital expenses. You know, I have not looked at a budget. We get a, a lot of budget work here that keeps us occupied. So I was kind of curious what the operating budget is for the high school and the CapEx is on an annual basis, how that's kind of trended, that, just to get a perspective on this. And then um, the second question, um, in our city, we have done a lot of public-private partnerships with um, individuals. And I'm just kind of curious if you have talked to, you know, Abbott or AbbV or any other corporate partners in, in the market to help finance some of this and if those conversations have happened. And then the third question is if this doesn't go through, what happens? Okay, so I, so I didn't bring notes, but I'm gonna check my memory, okay? Yeah. So first question, 
average operating cost is about 55 to $60 million per year. Between both districts, $120 million. So it fluctuates back and forth, but let's call it 55. Um, we are investing, the, the previous we invested one to one and a half million dollars in capital improvements over the last 10 to 15 years. So if it's 10 years, you're looking, we invested 10 to $15 million. We also last year did a short-term borrow of $15 million. So essentially we took a home equity of sorts mm -hmm. uh, because we wanted to make sure that we had skin in the game and we didn't lose time while we were revamping the um, referendum talk. So when I was hired, they said, we want you to explore a referendum. It got pushed on pause May of, or March of 2020. We want to see where you think we are. So we did the short-term borrow last year to make sure we could invest $5 million over the next three summers to keep work going and make sure that we, uh, at all costs, avoid emergency repairs while we were figuring out what we were doing with the referendum. Uh, second question was public-private partnerships. How I have been um, answering that question is I would look at public and private partnerships for the above and beyond, so the natatorium, the mm -hmm. auditorium, any type of athletic improvements. Um, I've been doing the road show, so to speak, and I did this work in my previous district where we had a, a bond or a referendum of X, and the community had special interest above and beyond the what I call the what we needed, and it was more of what we wanted. Um, we got a capital fundraising uh, firm that worked with the district. I partnered with them, and we raised additional $1.2 million to build another gymnasium on a high school. Um, because that was something that the community was interested in. I would very much be in favor of doing those special interest projects and partnering public and private, whether it be a business or an individual donor, but that would be post-passing of the referendum so we could see what is above and beyond. Mm -hmm. Third question. I need help for you remind, remembering. Or remind um, so if this doesn't pass, oh, what great. happens? So what's the impact and the severity of the issues that are being addressed? And you know, could some of them be <clears throat> met or or not, and I'm just kind of curious. It's the question that I like answering the least. Yeah. So I am glad that you asked it though, because it's an important question. What I want to avoid in this response is there is no intent to threat, threaten. Some, and the reason it makes me uncomfortable is some districts across the country will build a plan and put it in front of uh, the taxpayers and then say, if you don't support us, these are all the horrible things we're going to do to you. <laughs> um, we are not doing that. Um, it's against my moral compass, and it's not what the board or the administration has interest in doing. And this is a very sophisticated tax base, and I think they would call me out on that pretty quickly. Um, but there's two options that have not been determined. One is we put it up again. Hmm. But know that we wouldn't put it up again for less. So this is the plan. This is what the building needs. And the next time that is the most opportune would be the presidential election, which is November of 24. Hmm. There is an 8% escalation cost built in right now per year. So if I wait two years to put it up in November 24, your $105.7 million project turns into 120 and some change for no more. We didn't get any more for our dollars. It just costs more because we waited two years. We also run the risk that any emergency fixes in that two years while we're waiting to see if the community would support it, I'm paying the collective, the, the board is paying 50% potentially or more on any emergency fixes, and we could run the risk of um, portions of the building going offline while those fixes are being repaired. We all want our furnaces to go out in the summer, 
That's just not how reality hits sometimes. So you run the risk of that happening in those years. <clears throat> the second option, which is just as viable, so there isn't a preference, we're gonna have the conversation in March with the board, is to, if it is uh, widely turned down, I think I would lean with, let's just pull out of the general fund and pay for this. And we would pay for the infrastructure solely, so that $55 million, we'd stretch it over, I'm gonna say 10 years. And this is all ballpark, right? So 10 years. And what we would do is we would have to do short-term borrows and reduce programming and supports to be able to pay for that home equity or whatever out of general fund. Mm -hmm. So in the last 10 to 20 years, the boards have invested heavily in programs and support to ensure that we are able to provide the same level of programming and experiences that Stevenson and Nutrier can do with half or less kids. So if you send your kid to LFHS, you're one of 1,400, and you get the robust experience I talked about when I started the conversation. If you send your student to Nutrier, you're one of 4,000. So we have invested to ensure that the experiences and opportunities are the same. We would not be able to keep that same reality to some degree if I have to pull $55 million out of the operating budget over 10 years. I would try to minimize that impact. That's why I don't like to threaten. I would minimize it and m impact kids as least as possible. But I can't tell you, 50, if 80% of our budget is staff, it is likely that I'm going to be reducing staff, <coughs> which means reducing programming and supports mm -hmm. to be able to pay for those bills. Alderman Goshgarian. Um, thank you, Doctor. Um, really appreciate your coming in front of us. I think this is a wonderful opportunity for the public to become more aware of it. I have a couple questions like my colleague. First off, um, often when we have our AAA bond rating status and we look at borrowing money, number one, would a debt incursion of this size impact your ability to borrow in the future? Because keeping an eye on the fact that there are other projects that you do want to do, would that negatively impact that? It certainly seems like this is the most favorable environment right now in terms of the cost of money would be the first question. Second question, this is just a point of verification. When you talk about support and services um, and not wanting to take those away, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, almost a third of the students at the high school have some level of service requirements or IEPs, which they're entitled to under state law. So that's something that really, that's. That's something that would be really hard for you to trim away from the budget, because that's, that's something that you're obliged as a school district to provide, correct? So I, I can't confirm the one-third number you just said, but th so there's 504s and there's IEPs <coughs> for students who need additional support. Those are federally <coughs> mandated. So to your second question, we cannot reduce the level of services or the cost associated to offering special education supports under IDEA, which is the federal mandate around special education. And then borrowing capacity. And then the borrowing capacity is a great question. So this is, I would never want to um, handcuff future boards in any decision that we're making now. So our borrowing capacity is 205 million. So we could do essentially two referendums We'd have to somehow pay for it, by the way, so I'm, I'm not encouraging mm -hmm. that to happen under my tenure. <coughs> it would not impact 
the borrowing capacity of future boards because of the magnitude of the borrowing capacity that we have. And we just got re, uh, sorry, uh, we just re, um, were reevaluated for the 15 million borrow for the AAA bonding. So that is a newer, like within the last year, we got reaffirmed at AAA. Both no. districts are AAA. And one last follow up. This isn't your first rodeo, I understand. Uh, I, district that you came from. You yeah, know. so I age in dog, I feel like I'm aging in dog years. <laughs> um, but my previous district, uh, I, and I just finished the project, so I must, like, I must not like to be bored. Um, I was the owner's rep and superintendent of an $86 million project. We built two buildings brand new. We renovated the other two. We did a turf project and we did a bus garage as well because we manned, manned our own buses in Ohio. And that was for a K-12 institution. So this is not my first project. Uh, it makes me tired thinking about it, but also makes me awfully excited for what we'll be able to do for kids if it passes. Thank you. I have one, just one question. How long is the bond issued for? 20 years, great okay. question. So 20 year payoff. Yes, ma'am. Okay. That was the most succinct question <laughs> and answer. <laughs> I don't want to give gold stars, but if I were to give a gold star. Try to keep it simple. <laughs> Oh, uh, I have one other question. Taking back those kudos. Are there any other bonds outstanding that we're still paying for? Yeah, so there is one bond from 2006 that will be paid off in three years. Okay. So the last three years of the 2006. And how much is that one? Do you know how much is that uh, It was $55 million. Or? I think that it fluctuates. We just looked at this today. I'm looking at Melissa. It drops, I think, like $400 per a million-dollar house, 200 oh. for 500000 And there's three more years on that. Correct. Okay, thank you. Um, Sorry, Morris. Uh, good to see you again. Um, what happens to the instructional environment while you're doing this project? Where do all the where all the students go while you're? So in 2006, they were largely building new space, mm -hmm. so it was a more favorable jigsaw because they were building the commons area and it wasn't it's like when the accordion, somebody used this earlier as an example, so it's not my idea, but when the accordion, accordion unfolded out, then they could dump the kids in and they didn't have to shift them around. Here it's going to be largely summer work because of the impact on kids. We could, I will never support it, so I have to be overruled by a board and I serve at the pleasure of board, so this happens sometimes. We could put trailers on the front lawn. Mm -hmm. Um, that is something that I can't get behind without being overruled. So we will have to be very calculated on how we're taking portions of the building over to minimize the impact on kids. I'm confident we could be creative, but it will be breaks, yes. um, like winter break, spring break, summer breaks, and then trying to extend those summer breaks. So you may see an abbreviated calendar where we're trying to end the school year later and start it earlier or, or grab weeks wherever we can. And how long do you think the project will take? I think it'll take three to four summers. Okay. Now know that we have summer work already planned because mm -hmm. I don't like to waste time, neither does the board. So we have, in last summer we did five million of work, this summer we have five million of work, next summer we have five million of work. So we are not wasting time on investments to make sure that the building is continued to improve. That is our, that's being paid out of the general fund. Mm -hmm. But what it does is it gives us about 18 months or so to do design work so we're not, the building isn't sitting idly and we're running risk of more um, cataclysmic failures in terms of infrastructure. And, and one second question. For District 67, so change the subject a little bit, we have, what, 1,300 new families that have moved into town, oh, I'm assuming with probably younger children. We'll see. What do you think the impact is on the elementary and the middle school 
from all the demographic changes that we're experiencing. So the enrollment studies have not been impacted in terms of the 10-year outlook as of yet. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that last fall we had the highest kindergarten class that we have ever had. However, the market, I think it's going to flatline. Mm -hmm. So the reason is because there isn't the availability of houses. So what I shared, what was shared to the chambers house, there just isn't a market that's saturated for more people can, to move in. I think we saw the bump. We are not at the capacity that we were 10 years ago. So we have plenty of wiggle room. And since you talked about 67, which is my other favorite topic, um, yeah. know that we are not asking for any referendum in 67 in the foreseeable future. And when I say foreseeable, I'm talking ever. Um, in my tenure, so let's just say 10, 20 years out, we just I just left a board meeting um, in uh, for 67, and we talked about this very topic. So there is no plans to ask for a referendum in 67. Okay. Thanks, appreciate it. Alderman Weber. Thank you, thank you, Dr. Montgomery, for the information. It's been really great. I did use a QR code and the calculator during our time here, and it was very helpful to see what that cost is, you know, based on your home value. So you weren't listening to me? Is that what you were Yeah, I'm listening. Busted. Alderman Morris asked the question that I was thinking of, what potential growth do you see at the high school? So you've answered that already. Um, and my second question then was, is related to the cost per student. Can you comment on what that is at roughly 1,400 students per year? And I think we're at thirty-two thousand dollars per student. And how does that, that compare right, to other other public schools in our? It's com vicinity? it's very comparable in the North Shore. What we have working for us and against us is that our numerator is small. Mm -hmm. So our number will always be higher than some of our North Shore competitors, but not out of the realm of comparability. And it's 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 seventh grade math. So New Trier's numerator is 4,000 students. That's their top number. Ours is 1,400. So when, however you shape that, there's no magic trick that I can do, nor should I do, that would minimize that we are going to have a higher per student ratio because of our lower ADM or our lower enrollment. Right. So I think that's a good thing. So I'm just going to say this out loud because I think that we are able to offer services and support for students that you would not get from a human-human connection because you're one of 1,400 versus one of 4,000. Sure. I mean, I'm the only one up, up here that has children potentially future participating in the high school. You know, many of you have already experienced that. Um, so that's why I asked, is, is to kind of reiterate your comment earlier that you offer such a robust programming, both extracurricular and athletic, et cetera. So. And, and there's a, and I think one of the reasons that I got this, the opportunity to serve in these communities is my belief in fiscal responsibility. So know that I took a deep dive in these last two years on both budgets. And we made some changes last year at 115 that impacted the budget for this year in that we balanced the budget in 115 last year. We reduced, there's, there's things going around that administration has increased. We are running the lowest amount of administrators that 115 has had in five years. So fiscal responsibility is something that's ingrained in me. I don't know if it's, it's how I was brought up. It doesn't matter. Just know that I am looking at the budget from a fiscal lens 
and an opportunity lens and making sure that those two are in line with each other. I think that's great, and I think this council certainly looks at that with the city and its operations here. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Alderman Oates. Thank you. Thank you very much. As a graduate of the high school myself, it's exciting to see uh, the investment being made or proposed. Has Bond Council given any advice or in terms of where the market is right now about going to the market to issue these bonds and tenure and, and, and timing if this gets passed uh, at the referendum uh, this spring? Is there, are you looking to hit the market right away, wait and kind of see if timing might, again, it's a crystal ball and it's anyone's guess, but so, I'd be curious what guidance you've been getting. So we work with Liz Hennessy, who works with a great deal of districts on the North Shore. She's from Raymond James. She is the best in the business, in my opinion, and she has not determined when we will go. It's really going to be her assessment of the market at that time to see what is in our best, best um, situation given the time frame, because that market is fluctuating, as you know all too well. But it's under her guidance <coughs> that we will make those decisions. And she has not told me one way or the other as of yet. Thank she you. did build out all of the financials, all of the borrow, ran many scenarios, partnered with the board, was with them several occasions to try to figure out you know, what type of note we were looking for, how we were distributing uh, the interest uh, to make sure that the board was in full support of the plan. But Liz Hennessy is her name. Thank you. Um, so back in my school board days, which admittedly was a while ago, we would have called these like life safety bonds um, because it's so much infrastructure. Is that still a nomenclature that's used? So we could. Um, a portion of it is life safety, but I think that in the spirit of transparency, we are touching classrooms. So it, it, it's nuanced. It's not solely life safety. I would argue the bulk of it is life safety. And that's why I'm not labeling it that way. And that's why the graphic you're seeing is 52% infrastructure, 48% classrooms. It's still infrastructure, but it's not all solely life safety. And so that's back... A great, that's a great point, actually. Back to Alderman Weber's question... So what's the incremental increase in per pupil expenditure because of this bond? What do you estimate that to, to be? Yeah, so it's, they're separate buckets. Mm -hmm. So the, the referendum monies can uh -huh. only be spent on the capital improvements. The money that's per pupil is coming out of general operating. So they, the two budgets don't intermingle. So the per pupil would increase by CPI adjustments year over year, accounting for PTEL, it would not be impacted by the $105.7 million. So there... Okay. Yeah, you could, right, like right. if you just wanted to do quick math, we could figure out how much the 105.7 would be distributed over 1,400 students, and then I could add that to mm -hmm. the money we're spending, but they're two different accounts, uh -huh. and they're not inter intermingling. So some people have asked, does this money impact... Like, is this going to be a great raise for administrators and teachers? Uh, what's it going to do for the unions? Are they going to be very excited? They don't touch each other. Well, so it's important to keep them separate also because we're compared to other districts by per-pupil expenditure. So that was, you know, a little bit of my concern that we, you know, want to be sure that they're kept separate they so that we're never not touch each other. looking out of proportion to our neighboring school districts. Good point. Um, 
another comment that I just want to make is I want, I've lived through a lot of these school expansions on a personal basis. I too am a Lake Forest High School graduate a few years before Ted. Mm -hmm. um, so the class after I graduated built the West Campus. My younger sister was the first one in there. And also when I was on the school board, there were projections of huge enrollment increases and so we were going to have to potentially build another campus out at, at the end of Deer Path Road, basically, where the Alloa campus is. You know, people who have some history remember that that Alloa campus was being reserved for elementary schools, if you recall. And that never happened either. So, uh, so I congratulate you in, in not overreacting to this uh, increase in new homes and new residents that are entering our community because that goes up and down um, constantly with the economy, with the housing market. Um, so I applaud you for taking a conservative approach to those future enrollment projections. Yeah, I've been beaten up in the past. Any projection in enrollment over five years makes me awfully nervous. Right. So that's just lived experience. Right, and I assume that you're still doing those surveys of nursery schools. That's what we used to do anyway, um, and kind of when be able to enrollment. gauge. Sorry. Yeah, be able to gauge what the incoming kindergarten classes are, which was always very helpful in terms of classrooms and and all of that. So um, families, and what I was going to add is when families enroll, we ask them, "Do you like how many preschool students do you have?" to try to get an idea of incoming enrollment in the shorter term. Right. Um, and then the other question that I'm asking because I have been asked that question in the community is why is this all hitting at once? Why weren't some of these projects undertaken before, gradually? Um, you know, you just said the 67 schools probably won't need any major improvements I don't think you're ready to say for your lifetime, but um, you know maybe for not for my lifetime for a, <laughs> for for a, a number time. of years. So um, I assume that's because we've taken care of a lot of those issues as they came up. So why uh, why is this different? So that's a complex answer. I'm going to do my best to answer it uh, with fidelity. The first thing that 67 has going for it is that they have a DSEB. So they have a debt service extension borrow. And that was put in place in the middle to late 90s. And it was created, it was essentially a home equity loan of sorts that school districts were afforded that was based off of existing debt that they had on the duplicate. So at that time, 67 had a debt, a low debt, but it was like $400,000 at that time. That has grown with CPI from the late 90s to now, where we can borrow in chunks of $1.3 million or multiples of over X amount of years, depending on how much debt we want to assume and how much debt we can pay off without going to voter approval. In the late 90s, LFHS had zero debt on the duplicate. So they were not afforded this funding mechanism that were... Um, afforded if you had debt. Some districts, I am told, in the late 90s, when this change in law happened, 
assumed as much debt as possible in that time frame to capitalize on this funding structure. Stevenson did that. So they made a decision that they wanted to get as much debt as possible in that window. So then they would have to not go to the voters. And it's, it's proved very financially wise for them if the community supports that type of funding, funding model. Anybody who didn't have debt on the duplicate and wants to create a DSEB has to go to the voters to ask if they would support that type of funding model. In, when I came here, I learned, they didn't have this in Ohio, by the way, so this was new to me. I said, well, let's bring the number down lower. So instead of asking 105, let's ask for 50. And then let's do a DSEB where we'll never have to go in 115 to ask for the voters for money again if you structure this appropriately. So we did a research-based community poll that was statistically valid, and this community, or these communities, because remember we're doing Lake Bluff, Knollwood, and Lake Forest, unilaterally oppose a DSEB. So if I, put, if I had put that on the ballot at immediately following, because remember there's a shelf life of these, these stats, they would support it at under 40%. So I don't think the community is interested, in, and some people say it's like giving the districts a blank checkbook without getting voter approval for a major investment year over year. Right, wrong, or indifferent, when I market tested it, it didn't fly. So one back to your original question, this all kind of plays together in the complexity. 115 never had that borrowing capacity that they could just borrow year over year without going to the voters. We did do short-term borrows, like the one we just did last week or last year of $15 million and just paying that out of a general fund. They did do capital improvement of one to one and a half million every year. But the way it was presenting to me was the 2006 referendum was a referendum that was to last a generation of kids. And then in 15 to 20 years, we would go back to the voters and see if they would support the next generation of kids as opposed to a DSEB or paying it out of short-term borrow, borrows that would impact the, pro the programming. Simultaneously, previous boards and community had a demand to build out our programming so we were competitive with New Trier and Stevenson with what we could offer with only 1,400 kids. And they achieved that mark. It was a calculated decision to invest in programs for our kids because we could offer less programs year over year and we could sit on a, a great deal of money and then put this out if you wanted to structure it that way. Previous boards didn't want to do that. They wanted to invest in the kids and there wasn't a DSEB that they could pull from. So there's not one clear answer of why we're here. It's a multitude of variables, but nothing was done by luck and nothing was done um, in an uncalculated way and the fact that we didn't have debt on the duplicate in the late 90s is something I celebrate. I think that's a, a demonstrating fiscal responsibility. Unfortunately, long-term funding models, it negatively impacted because of the way the law was written then. Well, that's that a very complete answer. <laughs> um, I felt like I was and, just defending the dissertation. And a complex but answer, <laughs> but it's an important question, I think, when you're going forward. It's uh, very hard for me to put that in a blurb, Mally. Like, sure it is. Like, <laughs> it sure is. It's hard. Was that 2006 referendum, was that like 23 million or something? 55. 55. F 50, 52, 55. 54. 54. 54. 54. Well, you're um, a million off. Somebody asked me, what would that be 
in today's dollars. So we did the inflation run. It's about $80 million in today's dollars. So people are wondering, how, oh my gosh, $55 million in 2006 and now you're 105. Well, remember that an awful lot of inflation has happened in that time. It is more than the $80 million, um, but I would argue it's, it's a smaller difference than a full additional $50 million. Well, thank you very much for your answer. And if there's a way to put that in a blurb in your, on your website. <laughs> this is Oakley. Because, is, because that's a question that I've been asked by a number of people is, is you know, why weren't they doing these improvements all along is, is the basic question. After so. doing this job or having the pleasure of doing this job for a decade now, I can reassure you that after an exegesis of that budget, this was not fiscal mismanagement. This was how do we want to invest in kids? Mm -hmm. And I'm proud that they made those decisions because the community is benefiting mm -hmm. every day with what the kids are experiencing when they walk through that building. Mm -hmm. Great answer. There's your blurb. Yeah, yeah, there's your blurb. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, this is all recorded. You can go back and watch it on YouTube and you'll get the exact quote. Right? So, uh, other questions or comments? Well, I'd like to just bring up a, a point um, that doesn't get talked about very much, but we, we, we are fond of talking about how our tax rates are the lowest of anybody anywhere around here. And I know we as a city take a great deal of credit for that, and, and it's an important thing that we keep thinking about. Um, the truth of the matter is the city is, what, 20% of the tax bill? And the schools are half? So we owe a very large amount of uh, gratitude to the schools for keeping those tax rates low. And I think, I think that's when people say, oh, they're spending too much money on this or that. I mean, look at the bottom line. Look around all of Metro Chicago. We've got some of the best schools anywhere, and they're being, they have been run very efficiently from a financial point of view. So, um, so we appreciate that. You make our job uh, that much easier. And it, as an aside, Lake Bluff is second behind us, right. so they would not gain any ground here uh, if the referendum were to move forward. The other thing I did, I did, a rough, the cost. I did a rough calculation using the, um, the calculator, and we'll still have the lowest property taxes around. And th that's what I was going to add, George. The, with the addition of this referendum, we are still going to be the lowest in Lake County by a lot. Yeah. And we are one of the lowest in the state by a lot. And the example I give to folks is, yes, it's an increase, I'm gonna, and that is a big ask, and I'm not minimizing that amount, but I am asking if you pull back and look at the context from a, maybe a 10000 or 20000 if you grab that $1.3 million house and you move it to one of our neighbors, let's just pick Highland Park, and I'm, I'm not throwing any shade on Highland Park, I love Highland Park, um, you're going to pay a lot more in taxes. And that's just the reality of how we benefit from having the lowest tax rate in Lake County. So, well, thank you very much for that uh, explanation. And I think you've certainly, for us, answered a lot of questions that, that as Alderman Rummel said, have, have, are being asked of us. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I think good idea maybe to go back and grab some of those quotes. <laughs> so, thank you so all thank very you much. very much. Well done. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure any, to work with you. Thank you. I'm sorry to interrupt. If you have any questions, feel free to send them through Dana to uh, Melissa, and we'll make sure or reach out to me directly, and I'll help. Thank you again for your time.
Thanks again, Matt. And Mr. Mayor, that concludes my report for this evening.